<laughs> yeah, baby, yeah. Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 30, Friday morning, January 25th, 2019, episode 30. In this podcast, I'm going to jump into some quick hitters, and then we will dive into an interview with my old pal Vito, who was in Vegas this past weekend for the NFL Conference Championship Games. He's got some great takes on the local Chicago sports teams for you all as well. And then I will finish with the Doggy Juice Models projected Super Bowl spread and my plan of attack for getting after the Super Bowl props this year. We have our Super Bowl matchup set. So let's uh, let's dive right in and start out the pod. Everybody. Darren Ravel tweeted a quote from NCAA President Mark Emmert from some event in Orlando a couple days ago, and the the NCAA chief said, and I quote, Sports wagering is going to have a dramatic impact on everything we do in college sports. It's going to threaten the integrity of college sports in many ways unless we are willing to act boldly and strongly. End quote. Uh, yes, Mark. Nobody bets on college sports at all right now. That, that totally has not been happening for the past several decades. Are you fucking kidding me? For starters, legalized wagering is going to have the exact opposite impact on what this guy claims. Everything will be more above board, and there will be rules that enable safer, um, above board integrity monitoring. So, Mark, your statement is not only asinine, but is also completely false. And this is also ironic, coming from the most corrupt organization on the face of the earth. Well, maybe besides FIFA, but uh, that's debatable. But, Mark, give us a fucking break. Integrity, my ass. You, sir, are a clown. As I said at the beginning of the episode, we have our Super Bowl matchup set. The Patriots will play the Rams for the Super Bowl in Atlanta next weekend. But we saw some drama. Unless you've been living under a bridge, you're aware of the drama from this past weekend um, in the two championship games, but especially the blown call in the first game. It was the worst single call of all time we saw over the weekend, and I just find it incredibly ironic because the NFL is anti-sports betting and they stress integrity, yet they can't even figure out their own fucking referees. And in a season with a countless number of head-scratching calls, especially with the emphasis on helmet-to-helmet hits, and then we get a clearly obvious one, and the referees swallow their whistles. The most important play of the entire season with legacies on the line, they swallow their whistles. And it was blatantly obvious, this is a joke, there's zero integrity already, and yet these clowns at the NFL front office and Roger Goodell, they're anti-sports betting and stressing integrity. Like, you just got to be fucking kidding me. So for the game itself, I'm, I'm going to dive into my take on the spread towards the end of the episode, but uh, limit prop bets are available. They opened up at the Westgate Superbook in Vegas on Thursday night, and the first two Super Bowl prop bets made at the Westgate were on Tom Brady overs. Um, they basically have a setup where all the sharps kind of come every once a year on that Thursday night, and they have a system where they have limit prop bets, but you stand in line and you're allowed two bets maximum. And then you have to go to the back of the line because they obviously move the the lines uh, according to the the money the, that they're receiving. Um, obviously, it's sharp money, so they're respecting the opinions a lot more. But that's what they did, and the first two bets were on Tom Brady overs yards and completions last night. Not a bad bet when you consider his last three Super Bowl appearances. Last year, he had 500 yards and three touchdowns. The year before that, 43 completions, 466 yards and two touchdowns. And then his, the last Super Bowl before that, against the Seahawks, he had 328 yards and four touchdowns. So 
Not a bad move, but that's that sharp money of those first two bets on Tom Brady. A PSA to prop bettors. Now, props are fun. Props are the best, especially Super Bowl props. I fucking love them. But in Vegas right now, um, they and, and in Vegas they write more money on prop bets than they do for the actual game. So obviously it's gained popularity over the years, and everybody does it. But my advice to you is be careful and read the fine print on your tickets. I cannot stress that enough. In regulated industries like Nevada, the gaming rules stipulate that grading the game has to be shown on the box score and proven on the NFL.com website. So it's easy to grade. But when when you are betting on props in faraway places, there are no such gaming rules. It's just you're at the whim of whoever's running the books. So you have to be very mindful of the wording on the ticket and also how the ticket will be graded. And oftentimes there's just way too much of a gray area involved. And I advise staying away from props that can be graded subjectively. So like, for example, I saw one prop at uh, being offered in faraway places. How many correct calls will Tony Romo make on the broadcast? Like, what does that mean? How, how do you grade that? That's subjective grading. Like, and is some guy just going to sit there and count them all out? And when does he actually make a quote-unquote call? So stay away from stuff like that. Remember that when grading these things, you're at the mercy of the subjectivity of the place where you are making these wagers. So tread carefully and read that fine print and make sure you 100% know how your ticket is going to be graded before you make the play. Another piece of advice on Super Bowl props Watch the steam, especially in the looser markets and especially closer to the game kickoff. If you see steam coming in on one side, it's almost a certainty that someone knows something, and that is the winning side. So, for example, if you see orange Gatorade being the color of Gatorade uh, poured on the winning coach, if you see that move to minus 400 right before the game kicks off, it's going to be orange Gatorade. So the best piece of advice I can give you with sports betting, uh, with Super Bowl props, have fun with it. Don't take these bets too seriously. Don't be putting your mortgage down on these. You won't be able to anyway. The limits are small for a reason. They're very loo- It's a very loose market, so have fun with it. Throw some pizza money down, but don't go and do anything crazy with these prop bets. I would be remiss not to discuss the historic run that James Harden is on right now in the NBA. There was a Vegas prop on him having um, whether or not he will have a 60-plus point game this season. And it was pretty much even money. It was juiced about minus 130 to the yes, uh, the last time I saw it at least. And then, of course, the other night, Madison Square Garden, James Harden drops 61 points, so that cashes the yes on that prop already. You know, it was, obviously, the prop was going to, the juice was going to continue to go up, uh, or sorry, it was going to reverse as time was going to go by, uh, just because simply has less games left. But that one cashed. Congrats to anybody who put the yes on that one. And we have seen Harden's MVP odds shift accordingly as well. Um, I'm seeing him at minus 500 at some places now to repeat his MVP. I think that's that's um, that's too much juice for that line. I've made it clear from the beginning. I, I'm on uh, the Greek Freak at 5-1, to one, gave him out on the podcast at the be- beginning of the year. There's still a lot of time left. And uh, when you do look at Milwaukee Bucks you know, and Greek Freak, everything he's been doing for them, I think he's still in the running, but obviously it's Harden's to lose right now. I'm not not saying that he's not. So probably a 70% chance at this time, but I think that that line's a little little too juiced out right now. I think people are overreacting. There's still a few months left in the season. All right. Without further ado, it is time for an interview with 
my pal Vito. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have a special treat for you. Our next guest on the Doggy Juice Pod is a guy that I go way back with. That's kind of the theme for all the guests, but this guy is a special one because I, uh, I met him studying abroad in Rome. I actually met him on the airplane on our way to Europe, and we've been really good buddies ever since. He's going to be part of my wedding next year. Uh, my buddy Vito, how's it going, dude? Mike, doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm very happy to have you on. Uh, quick intro to everybody. Vito lives in the Chicago land. He is a massive Chicago sports fan, uh, one of the biggest Cubs fans I know. He proposed to his wife at Wrigley Field, and he was just in Vegas this past weekend. So we're going to get a firsthand account on what it was like to place bets there, what the scene was like. Uh, so you, you were there Thursday to Sunday or Thursday to, correct, Thursday to Sunday? Thursday to Monday. Monday, Monday. Going, you just told me. You just told me two minutes ago, too. <laughs> going back to how we met, too. Do you realize that it was eleven years and one week ago that we were on that plane? That's so crazy. <laughs> no, I can't Isn't believe that, that. I can't believe that. And we we like didn't sleep the whole flight. We were just up like talking, shooting the shit. And then got to London, and I remember we spent like the whole day. We got there in the morning. London about eight a.m. Yeah, yep. and then we just stayed up the whole day touring London, and then dr- got drunk that night. We were up for 40 straight hours, man. It was so the much first fun. of many nights there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, so what, tell me about your Vegas experience. So you've, you've been there before, right? Yeah, I've been to Vegas. I've gone um, pretty much every other year. Uh, typically, I've gone during March Madness with some friends. Uh, it's always fun. I've been during the uh, conference championships for uh, college basketball as well. It's quite the experience. So anybody that hasn't done it, especially if they are into uh, college basketball, Go to that first weekend. It is absolutely incredible. That's like bucket list material for me. I've actually, I've low key heard that. Um, I mean, of course, like it's guys like want to go for that opening weekend because it's just pure madness. But I've heard it's, it's like low key better to go the weekend before during the conference tourneys, like you said, because like, it's not as crazy packed with all dudes, but you still get great wall to wall action. And from my angle, it's, I think the lines are a lot softer on those, on those uh, games. Yeah, the, the the conference championship weekend or even the second weekend of the tournament are both more low key, but mm-hmm. you have to go for that first weekend at least once. You have yeah. to. Got to do it. Got to do it. So um, you were texting me, or actually called me from like Bellagio Sportsbook over the weekend. You're like, hey man, we got this screen in front of us and stuff. So walk me through like your process. I guess like what who, you said you bet on the conference championship games on Sunday. Who did you, um, who did you have your money on and how did it go? I uh, was one of the lucky ones. I had the uh, Rams plus three and I oh. had bet the Patriots on the money line because you just never bet against Tom Brady. That's, that's <laughs> the way I was looking at it. That worked out for you on both ends. You got that nice plus money payout on the Patriots and yeah, uh, got the win. I got him at plus 155. So I think it was nice. it got him at a pretty good number. Actually, that is a good number. Yeah, for because I know the Chiefs were. Um, I was try, I was thinking that the money line might come down on the Chiefs to like minus one forty, minus one fifty, which would have made the usually there's like a ten to fifteen cent straddle at least at most books. Mm-hmm. So like, I was thinking that the Patriots money line would come down even like plus one twenty five, plus one thirty. So you got a great number there. That's a good payout. Very nice. Yeah, and it was it went actually went up from one fifty to one fifty five right at the last minute because I had to wait to see how my. Uh, 
buy Rams bet finish before I can go place it on the Patriots. And luckily we, we turned out good there. Yeah. Luckily being like an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was... that, everybody's pretty upset about that. No, no pass interference call, but I was rooting <laughs> for it. I was happy with it. Oh yeah. I'm sure you and half the guys were going yep. crazy. Like what, what was the scene? Like or where did you watch the games in the sports book too? Or did you watch them somewhere else? No, we watched so we watched the uh, Rams uh, Saints game in the Paris sports book. Nice. Um, it's really quite quite a scene because you get people that are Rams fans, you get people that are Saints fans, you get betters uh, that are just looking to see what they, you know, making sure that they win. So the people that cheer, sometimes they're all cheering together, sometimes they're cheering against each other. So it's really quite different. Yeah, it's got to be wild. Um, yeah, it really was. And then we went to the uh, Flamingo Sportsbook for the pa- or, uh, Patriots Chiefs game. And that was wild because there's one Patriots fan and, you know, they can be pretty obnoxious and <laughs> this guy was, but he was going against the whole crowd. Everybody was just giving him a hard time, but it was awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's cool that you got like two different experiences at two different sports books on Sunday, but, um, yeah. was it crap? So did you get to sit down? Cause I've heard of, I heard it was packed at those places or did you, Yeah, I, find- we had to reserve seats for the Paris, mm-hmm. um, and then the Flamingo, we just got lucky and got a couple of spots to sit. But I think we sort of weaseled our way in, and we probably shouldn't have sat where we did. But nobody kicked us out, so what does it matter, really? Yeah, man. You walk in like you own the place, then uh, people won't mess around with you. That's, that's right. That's, Go in with confidence. Yeah, that's the veto I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, dude, that's fun. Man. Like, I really wish I could have like seen that or witnessed that scene because I was watching at home alone, and I was going crazy. I think like my neighbors might have... Uh, I think I'm a weirdo or something, but I can only imagine <laughs> what it's like in a room with like you know hundreds of guys with with betting interests on every which way. So, I mean, that's what the NFL's that's where why it's king, right? Weekend like that, you know, could win yeah. either way. And it's just so interesting because you get the people that are there because they're fans, but then you get the better. So it's just a totally different experience. And I mean, I've never been there for football before, and it was really really fun. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely something I would recommend and. For me personally, I, I, this is my first foray really into sports betting. So mm-hmm. learning what the lines mean and how they work, it was really, really fun. Yeah, that's cool. So about that, though, so you're so you're obviously you said you're new to sports betting. I mean, obviously, you're familiar with it and like what the lines mean and everything. But like you're mm-hmm. this past weekend was your like your kind of first time going in, going to the window, placing bets. Do you now that like. And we've talked about this plenty. I know you listen to the podcast too, but um, like now that sports betting's you know about to be legalized in even more states, it's already legal in eight states. Um, do you see yourself once it comes to Illinois uh, going to make bets uh, legally somewhere, or what's your what's your game plan? Like, what's your take on sports betting right now? I am really excited for it to come to Illinois, especially uh, close to where I live. There's a uh, horse track, which yeah, I'm like sure. To- Arlington Park. So as soon as they open up the sports book, I'm sure it's going to be there. And I'm looking forward to watching some football and some basketball there and uh, just enjoying it. Yeah, because I, it's, I've never been against it. And it's just something that's never been uh, as available to me. And I started to get a taste and I, I think it's going to be something I keep going back to. Yeah, I mean, it's that's like the whole point, too. It's just it gives you a reason, a rooting interest in games you might not normally have a rooting interest in. And like people think sports betting, there's that stigma to it. And I think that's what's finally starting to go away, because there's nothing wrong with with going in and putting 10. If you're responsible about it, you know, put 10, 20 bucks out a game, give yourself a rooting interest, you know, some pizza money in a game. And then you could have a lot of fun doing that. 
Yeah, I so, mean, how many times you sit and watch a football game for three and a half hours, and if you put 10, 20 bucks on it, how much? How many other things would you do that you'd spend 20 bucks on three and a half exact, hours of fun? Exactly. So, 100%. Go to a movie, see some shitty movie, and you spend twice that much. Yeah. And uh, could be watching a game, and, you know, you got a 50% chance uh, of winning, and maybe over 50% if you're good at handicapping, you know? But uh, if we listen to you, we'll definitely be more than fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, that's thanks. <laughs> but uh, but um, oh, that's good. That's good to hear because I feel like you're an example. I've brought on guys that have varying uh, levels of experience sports betting, but I think you're a guy that's you're the first one I brought on that literally um, you just you're just finally entering the space and it's intriguing to you and it's I think like you're the guy you represent the overwhelming majority of people that are that are interested in this generally. And when it becomes legalized, they're going to be interested in learning more about it and, and actually getting involved with it. So yeah. you're, you know, you're just an every guy, you're a dad, you're a father of two kids, you know, you're obviously not going to gamble away your kid's education on it and stuff. And it just shows, yeah. that, you know, you can, you can go ahead and do that and be fine. You know? Yeah. It's uh, it's fun because um, like I said, I've been to Vegas for March Madness where I placed bets mostly on teams that I knew or, coaches that I knew. Um, and like you sort of have, have displayed in this podcast, what is it? Uh, pros or Joe's bet teams, pros, pros bet numbers. numbers. Yeah. The Jimmy Vaccaro saying, yep. Yeah. yeah that's... It's, it's, it's totally true though. Cause I had always just put money on people that I was like, Oh, I know who Duke is. I'll throw some money on Duke. And then that's not the way to do it. You got to, you don't bet with your uh, head. You bet with, or you don't bet with your heart. You bet with your head. With your head. Yeah. That's hard to separate the two. That's way easier said than done. But, uh, <laughs> and it's hard, obviously the challenge is finding out what a good number is, but, uh, but I mean, you know, practice makes perfect. And I feel like the more you do it, the the more you could recognize value in the lines. And, and then, I mean, you're already past step one right now. You're realizing, <laughs> Hey, I, can, I don't have to just bet on that team that I can recognize. I can delve a little bit more into it. So. That's yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. So, um, so you're a Chicago diehard sports fan, and I want to get your take on on the state of the teams, the, the sad state of of some of our teams. But uh, I feel like we can start with the Cubs because, well, you know what? Let's let's start with the Bears, just because you know yeah. we just it's recent. We could wrap wrap that up the season. But I guess what's your Sorry to bring back bad memories, but what, what's your <laughs> takeaway from from the game and and uh, your general take on the bears moving forward uh well that was a heartbreaking end to the to an awesome season um but i think you know watching the games this weekend it shows you what a a good kicker could actually do uh and cody park is just not a good kicker so i know there's been some talk about maybe he stays and maybe he goes but he's got to go and just there's just no way he can come back to the team and uh Uh, and to the city i just don't see how the city and the fans would accept him back Mm -hmm. no i yeah but with that being said like their team is in a great great spot everybody on defense that you know the heart and soul of that defense is coming back and they're gonna have another year together and, and they're i think they're just gonna play even better than they played this year trubisky i think he's in the right direction and if you look at a guy like mahomes who had an awesome year uh he is this is the second year he learned the system of the first year took off in the second year I think Trubisky learned the system this year. I think he can really make some big steps next year. Um, another year with all those receivers, Anthony Miller coming back, Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, they've got weapons. Uh, let's see what they do. It's about another pass-catching running back. But otherwise, I think they really are – they got they got something here. Yeah, I know. That's very well said. I mean, 
everyone's kind of counting on Trubisky to take the next step. And that's like what we need to happen. But I think if that happens, that's then they're set. I mean, in the division now, they're kind of the, the top dog. So it'll be interesting to see them kind of play that role next year, like with the target on their back in the division. But I mean, yeah. kind of like, like you alluded to, like the defense, like having that. I think for me, the biggest thing this year is the Bears identity went back to the Bears I know. Because we always grew up with like the Bears were shitty offense and but we just won with our defense, especially last decade with the Erlacher Briggs teams. Oh and yeah. Yeah, Monsters in the Midway. It's you know the past couple of years when they were just giving up points left and right, especially like two, three years ago. It just wasn't the Bears we're used to seeing, you know. No. I think so. think back to oh six or uh, and oh and two thousand ten. Like those defenses yeah. were just incredible. Right. Right. And that's that's our identity as a, as a city. I feel like it's almost like uh, <laughs> it's what we expect. Like you can't have like a high powered Bears offense and a shitty defense. Like even though that's the way of the NFL these days, you know. Yeah. But but I think they got you know that now they got Nagy who is innovative and so you know they have a good offense with a good defense. Maybe we'll be talking about the '85 Bears being uh, given a run for their money by the future Bears. Yeah. I like Pagano <laughs> as a higher um, <laughs> yeah Fangio go. And actually, I, I think he's going to struggle in Denver. Uh, that's he, tough. Unfortunately, defensive head coaches just haven't done well lately. And that situation over there, they've got a great defense, but that offense is a mess. It is so and, bad. Uh, but I like yep. Pagano. I think he, especially with the defensive back, I think he's going to step right in. Uh, and, you yep. know, you give a good coach good talent, and I think they'll be all right. Right, and he's a guy I think they'll respect, too, you know, being a former head coach. It would suck mm-hmm. to bring a guy in there kind of following in Vic Fangio's footsteps that's that's someone that doesn't reman- demand respect in the in the locker room like Pagano does. So Exactly. Uh, so hopefully that'll – but, yeah, man, I think times are – things are looking up for that team. And then, obviously, you and I are the team that we kind of bond over is the Cubs. And that's the other good Chicago team right now to talk about. No offense, White Sox. You know, we won't, <laughs> we won't touch any, but I mean, obviously the White Sox are looking up, they're trending up big time, but, uh, the Cubs, I mean, I'm still getting over that one. I don't know what, what was worse. I mean, I, I think the answer is clear to me now, but taking the recency bias, bias away, which <laughs> one was worse the way the Cubs ended their season or the way the bears ended their season. Uh, it <laughs> has to be the bears. And the reason being is unfortunate. If, if you watch closely, you can see the writing on the wall with the Cubs and, I first yeah. and foremost a Cubs fan, and you know this, man. I baseball is my sport. I love baseball. I love everything about it. But you know, you could just sort of see the writing on the wall. They just didn't have it this year. But yeah. that Bears, man, they came in and and they just they were looking so good and they were just on a roll. So that end of that season is just a little bit worse. But I don't know. Thirteen was it? Thirteen innings? Fourteen innings? Was that yeah. wild yeah. game? Right. It was at least that much. Yeah. It broke the record. I know that for postseason length. Yeah. 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 That was harsh. Yeah. I, that's tough. Actually, I mean, now that I'm saying it, I, I thought it was Bears' obvious answer, but I can't help like the fact that uh, their next game they would have been underdogs, and I think I think they would have lost to the Rams the next week. I mean, personally, it's kind of hard to argue against that because they would have been underdogs, about four and a half point underdogs in that game. But mm-hmm. the Cubs, you know, just the way it happened, the, you know, you said the writing was on the wall, which is true, but the last like week of the season that they just imploded and then they kind of culminated in that one game. But if they did get through, you know, you could at least, I feel like they had a better chance of winning the world series than the bears did the super bowl if the bears advanced, yeah. but that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's just like Milwaukee won eight in a row to end that season last year. Mm-hmm. And you just saw them coming and they beat the Cubs at home in that one sixty third game. And then the Rockies come in. It was just, yeah, but 
It's painful. I mean, yeah, you could argue painful. either way. <laughs> you could go either so way. Exactly. Good. Exactly. So you're so the Cubs though this year you're just in Vegas and they opened up those the season win total um, at least the the loose season win totals at Caesars I know they have it and I think another couple other books are going to start following suit because Caesars posted earlier than usual but the Cubs are at eighty nine and you you're saying you're checking out that number but the other NL Central teams yeah so, so it's I saw that number and I was kind of shocked at it because. The last four years, what, 95, 92, 103 in their, in their World Series year, and then 97. You think, are they really going to go from 95 to 89? But you look at the, the teams in the Central that they're going to be playing the majority of their season against. And, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be better. They got Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. They've got some offense now, which is going to be crazy. The yeah. Reds, uh, Tanner Roark, Sonny Gray, Alex Wood, they had three, you know, Good starters. I like Sonny Gray, and I like Alex Wood a lot. Tanner Roar can be hit or miss, but there's a good rotation right there. And then they traded for, uh, what's his name, Puig, too. Uh, they got Yasiel Puig, meaning yeah. right field now. And then, yeah. you know, Scooter Jeanette and Joey Votto, they're still, you know, those oh, guys yeah. are going to have good years as well. Um, you know, the Brewers, we know what the Brewers did last yeah. year. And then, you know, the Pirates are sort of the, everybody's thinking they're going to be last place, but you get good pitching and you never know. And, they have a rotation of Jason Tyone, Chris Archer, uh, Trevor Williams, Joe Musgrave, and Jordan Lyles. I think Jordan Lyles can throw, was it like throw 100 and 101 on his, on his normal fastball? Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be an easy, it's not going to be an easy season for the Cubs, but I still think they are the best team. And, and their rotation, if healthy, if, if Darvish can come back, if Hamels can do what he did, Lester can maintain. You got Hendricks and Quintana. If Q is your fifth starter, it's pretty That's damn good pretty fifth good. starter. That is pretty damn good. Yeah, that's damn. That was uh, that was really well done. That was a wealth of knowledge. I, I agree completely because like it, you see that number. That's your initial inclination. Oh, 89. Okay, you know, screw regression analysis and all that bullshit. They're gonna get those wins. But then when you really look into it, the Cardinals farm system. It's just, I mean, incredibly yeah. good last year. So they have just a, a whole wealth of talent coming up there. I'm really worried about the Cardinals. I feel like they could be like the value team, maybe. Mm-hmm. Find them, find them to win the NL Central, like three or four to one, could be some value. But um, yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm really hopeful. I think a lot of it's going to hinge on Darvish, kind of like you, kind of like you said. Yeah, I think it, if he can come back and have a bounce back year, I think the Cubs can, uh, can be the top. But uh, it's, it's just going to be a bloodbath. They're just every, all these teams are just going to beat each other up all year long. Mm-hmm. You know, 87, 88 wins might actually win the division. You, you just never know. Right. That's true. And plus like injuries can never count those out, but what about offensively? Do you think we're going to get that bounce back by Chris Bryant? Finally, do you think, uh, what do you think they're going to do with Schwarber too? I really thought they would trade Schwarber this uh, off season, but they clearly still see something. Um, I just, when he's a DH, when you, when they play in an American league park, that guy just mashes the ball. Cause he doesn't think anything but hitting the ball. Um, but, you know, he played a pretty solid left field, and maybe now that he's got a year under his belt out there, maybe he'll be a little more comfortable and the hitting will come back. But uh, the whole season offensively, I think, really is going to be surrounded by two guys. Chris Bryant, is he going to be able to come back to what he was in 2016 as an MVP? Mm-hmm. And Javier Baez. He had an unbelievable year. He basically lost that MVP to Christian Yelich in the last couple of weeks when Yelich just went crazy. Right. If he can maintain what he did or even just a slight regression um, and not go back to what he did prior to 2017, 
or uh, 2018, I believe that they can that offense can move. So, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's going to be all around Javier Baez and Chris Bryant and those two guys and what the seasons that they have. Yeah, no, I agree. The talent's there. I mean, we know what they're capable of too. But I think I think uh, the one thing we can bank on this year from them is the hunger. You know, it's pretty. I'm not like breaking any news by saying that. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, like the way the season ended last year uh, is going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. And I think it was predictable the whole time um, in 2017, at least that they would, they would kind of be, I don't know, like have like that hangover effect from winning the, the world series. Yeah. And then last, last year might've just been a continuation of that too. So I, uh, I think we're going to see that hunger from the team because they've, they've tasted it before. Yeah, know? I agree now. And, and, and now they've also tasted that, that true disappointment. Yeah. You know, like you said, 2017, they made it to the NLCS and, and they got beat pretty, pretty handily, but you know, Everybody was sort of excited that they got back to it. Mm-hmm. Last year, they really had a major letdown with, with their expectations. So they know that disappointment. They didn't like it, and they've got that hunger back. And hopefully, you know, they, they feast on the, on the National League and can make it back to the World Series. I hope so, man. I hope so. So those are the two, the, the Bears and the Cubs, the two good Chicago <laughs> teams. Now going to the, the trash heap. That's my, my personal favorite team, uh, the Chicago Bulls. Just pure trash. Uh, Carmel Anthony finally got got him on the roster a few years late, but uh, he's not going to suit up at all for the Bulls. But what the hell are they doing right now? What's your what's your analysis on on the Bulls? Uh, well, they got Dwayne Wade a few years too late. They got Carmelo Anthony <laughs> yeah. a few years too late. Yeah, this team would have been really good if they would have put yeah. these people all together about ten years ago. LeBron will come for a swan song too, <laughs> five or six years. When his kid gets drafted by the Bulls in like seven years or something, he'll come back. <laughs> yeah, I'll take LeBron James Jr. That guy looks like he could he might be able to play. But, oh, he could ball. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know what's going on with the with the Bulls. I thought they had some pieces. I like uh I like Zach Levine. I like Wendell Carter Jr. Obviously Larry Markinen uh, is a really good young player, but Chris Dunn just has not seemed to pan out much. Jabari Parker, that was a joke. Ugh, Jim Boylan, yeah. you know, he's a joke. <laughs> Yeah, and frankly, I was you know I was watching some highlights of the uh, Bulls Cavaliers game, and it almost looked like it was like a high school basketball game. It just right. were, it was so bad, and <laughs> yeah. it was just bad. Yeah. So you know you got to hope you get Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett, and All right, one be, of those guys. You got a good shot then to turn around. You got some good young people. Hopefully they can mesh, but hopefully the draft lottery. I know it's going to be a little wonky this year, you know, with the new rules. But hopefully. It's still works out for the Bulls and they can maybe get one of those top two. Yeah, I agree. I think they, they need to tank properly this year. You know, it sucks <laughs> that, that the the rules did change, but it's still not, you know, they're still going to tank at the end. I think it's the top three teams all have the same percentage chance of, of getting the top eight, I think is the rule now. Um, yeah. Instead of, you know, obviously first place have, or sorry, worst record having a 25% chance. I think it's 15% each or something like that. But, um, I still think we're going to get that tank, which is always interesting at the end of this last year was awesome. And there's actually a great money-making opportunity. Uh, it was not my idea initially, but um, a guy on VEASAN, the Brent Musburger's map network, uh, Gil Alexander, he called it Tankapalooza last year. But basically the, the thought process behind it was he identified about four or five teams that were clearly tanking. And after the all-star break, um, they would put in suboptimal lineups in the fourth quarter to literally lose the game on purpose. And like, you know, yeah. there'll be phantom injuries. So it's just a rare, you know, situation where you have a team that's literally actively trying to lose. You don't see that in sports 
Um, it's more subtle, obviously. You do it happens in sports, but it's more subtle. But when you have teams like literally putting in suboptimal lineups at the end of games, trying to lose, that creates value. I think on the on obviously the other team's money line, and no one wanted to to lay those heavy prices on the, the favorites in those games. But his whole idea behind Tankapalooza was identify those teams, only play them when they're at home against the tanking teams, and also, um, and, oh yeah, and, and obviously do it in creative ways, either like doing an open parlay where you could fill in the legs later on or um, also, or just including multiple teams in the same night that were against those tanking teams. But it was, it worked out. The numbers were insane last year on it. And I think, I think this year I'm going to at least explore doing the same thing as well this year, but it's got to follow like the same kind of the same criteria for the teams. You can't get too crazy with it, but I think the bulls are for sure going to be one of those teams this year, at least. So Yeah. I, I hope they are. I hope they, they yeah. tank properly because, I mean, mm-hmm. Wendell Carter looks like a pretty good player, but they could have had some of those other guys and uh, if they would have just actually committed yeah. to the tank. Right. <laughs> if they, yeah, if uh, Nico didn't come back and win all those games. I've said that like multiple times in this podcast that Bulls fans should be blaming Nico. Not that Wendell Carter Jr. is a bad player, but, you know, he's not, uh, he's not one of those top dogs, no. I don't think. But, but I think – Next year we'll get that top guy, and you know, obviously it's still going to be a process, but they just need to completely embrace the tank. I think because you know, we're not doing shit as long as LeBron and the you know as long as the Warriors are together first of all, but as long yeah. as all those talented teams are together, you just you're not going to do anything. So yeah, um, it's it's going to be tough, especially if Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto, and then uh, you got Boston and Philly, and you're going to have a tough time you know, in the Eastern conference, just because LeBron's gone, doesn't mean that the East is a, uh, is garbage anymore. You know, they're oh, some good teams. teams. Yeah. I mean, Milwaukee's best record in the East right now. Oh. Greek freak. It's not, yeah. Indiana's really good too. I think Indiana could low key be a good value play actually in the futures market right now. But, um, but yeah, like it's just, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of good players, but if they can kind of set it up where they get that, that stud in the draft this year, kind of suck the next two years but you know just acquire the talent and then get that big name like the the greek freak or i don't even want to say anthony davis because i'm worried about the injuries but a guy a a guy like him to 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 sign you know in a couple years is that as that piece we could see a turnaround pretty fast but i don't know i'm not holding my breath uh, when you're trusting gar packs to make those decisions so yeah that's a there's a whole nother problem right there is and you really trust Garpax anymore? They've been nope. given a long, long leash, and maybe time to to try something new. No, yeah, I think it's been time for a while, personally. But <laughs> yeah, so you're, so you're, um, you're actually kind of notorious for me, at least, in calling into ESPN Chicago radio one day. One day I was yeah. listening. It was like I was, I can't remember what I was doing. It was like during the day. I might have been driving somewhere. And it was a work day during the week. I could, who knows? It could have been like a lunch break or something. I'm listening to Carmen and Yurko. And all of a sudden, this guy named Vito comes out and starts talking about something. I'm like, wait a minute. I know that. I know that, dude. I know that, I know that voice. Do you still uh, you still listen to those guys at all? ESPN 1000? Or are you 670 the score guy here in Chicago? You know, I've, I go back and forth with, uh, with the two stations. And I, I don't get to listen to them as much anymore. I, I used to work out of my car as an outside uh, sales rep, but I've uh, mm. gone into an office and that's tougher now. Yeah, don't get to. And then my, you know, I drag my kids around now, so I got to listen to you know, Old yeah. McDonald had a farm over and, over and over again. Rafi's <laughs> Rafi still a thing? Not not the Rafi from no. the league, not the league Rafi, but no. You know what? Actually, we 
I, we try to get our daughter, who is the one that can actually verbalize what she wants to listen to, because uh, she's four and a half and she can talk, but we try to bring her into our music. So she likes a lot of like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Taylor nice. Smith. Um, we're big musicals, so she can like sing Hamilton word for word, which is pretty cool. Because yeah, if I had to keep listening to that that children's crap over and over again, I might I might go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> actually, quick thought when I was saying that, like, what would that be like? I mean, someone should actually explore that Rafi from the League, that character <laughs> playing Rafi songs for children. I don't know. There's something oh, there. Gosh. There's, There's something, something there. <laughs> but I will tell you that the last time I called into. Um, ESPN, I got to play an over-under game. They gave me the uh, under of the Dodgers and uh, Milwaukee game. I think it was game two, but I actually won, and I won uh, $25 to Hawthorne Racecourse. So, oh, shit. Was that, that was last year, right? Last fall? It was the playoffs, yeah. Last yeah. October. Yeah. I didn't know that. Damn. Yeah, I've You're always really... had good luck getting through. I've always yeah, had good was... luck getting through. No, I feel like I've... Heard you like more than once. That's like it's, it's made an impression <laughs> on me. Just have, yeah, that's crazy. You're uh, and, and another thing about you, I have to bring this up now that this is in my mind. Um, yeah. you're, you, I think you know where I'm going with this. So you're obviously you call into these sports radio stations, so you're you're the obviously the voice of Chicago sports fans. But yeah. you are no joke, and I shit you not. People Google this. Google Cubs fan throwing it back. Google image search. Vito's picture is the first one that comes up and there's a picture of you throwing the, there's you're in the bleachers. Someone hit a home run ball. You got a hold of it. And there's all these people trying to, they're screaming at you to throw it back and you're in the process of throwing it back. It's a great shot. Just Google Cubs fan, throwing it back. That's Vito. The first one that comes up where it was on like sports illustrator or something like that. Or like USA today. Yeah. So, so that was opening day, 2010 when the, uh, that was the first year of the Ricketts. Uh, and unfortunately the last year of Ron Santo, but that is one of the uh, greatest days of my life, probably fourth behind uh, the day I got married and the birth of my two kids. That's Stop at least political. That, that's, yeah, right? No, it's probably the greatest day of my life. But <laughs> that whole day, I won. Uh, it started at 4.45 a.m. I had one VIP tickets to go see Mike and Mike in the morning at the Cubby Bear. So that was one of those other times I called into ESPN Radio, got through, won those tickets. Uh, so we got breakfast. We got to meet Mike and Mike, got pictures with them, got their autographed book. Uh, we got to meet Tom Ricketts, got pictures of him. Uh, we so got cool. to meet Ron Santo uh, and Pat Hughes, got their autographs, got pictures with them. Yeah, man. I went into the bleachers, and that was like one of those days where it was a beautiful day. I mean, I was wearing mm-hmm. a T-shirt and jeans, so that was awesome. And uh, caught a home run ball during batting practice, and uh, the mm-hmm. Daily Herald came and took my, took my picture. I was on the front page the next day. And then uh, Ryan Braun, of all people, hit a home run during the game. And I caught that, and it was the first home run to the opposing team in the Ricketts era. Oh, throwing it back. That's you, man. Has yeah. someone blown up that photo for you yet? I was going to uh, do it for your wedding gift a few years ago, I but should, I, 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 should, I, I should blow it up and put it in my, and put it in my uh, basement. Dude, that but needs I to be do, done. I do have the newspaper clippings um, from the actual USA. So it actually showed up in the USA Today. It showed up in, I think, three different Sports Illustrated as, like, you know, here's the tradition, and here's yeah. the bleacher bums, and it's, uh, it's such a big good shot tonight. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a such a good perfect shot. shot. Yeah, it's, it's like what I mean. minutes of fame. No, it's per- I mean, but that's that's forever. You know what I mean? Like hundreds of years from now, when there's encyclopedias, sports encyclopedias, when they look back and study our civilization and our times, 
that's going to be one of the things they talk about. Chicago Cubs won a World Series, and they're going to look back, and that's, that's going to be like the first picture they see. You represent not only all Cubs fans, not only all Chicago fans, but you represent every sports fan from this era in civilization. So I, I love you. it. And you know what? Every time somebody Googles it, and I talk, try to tell a story to everybody, it always keeps me right up top. So yeah. I <laughs> Google, Cubs fan throws ball back right there. Go to the images. You'll see me throwing it back. That's it, was great, it was a great day. The first one comes up, man. Yep, that's it. <laughs> I think it's like the first, second, third, fourth or something like that. There's a bunch of them. But, um, that's good stuff, man. So everyone on the Doggy Juice, all the Doggy Juice pod listeners, we have the the quintessential sports fan on the pod. Um, yeah, man, you got anything else? I mean, this is a great interview. Love your insight. Um, got any parting yeah. words for the people? You know, I just, uh, I just want to say thank you to, to you, Mike, for bringing me on. Uh, I have always, always loved sports. I've played sports my whole life. Um, and this is just a, such a different angle that I'm really starting to learn, really starting to enjoy. And um, just looking forward to the next football season where I can uh, start listening to you. And hopefully, Illinois gets a deck together and I can enjoy it uh, just a little bit more. Hopefully, man. I wouldn't, wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's that's a perfect way to end it. Um, yeah, there's really fun having you on. I will. I'll bring you on again when we're doing a baseball preview pod because you got that you got that deep knowledge on the baseball, especially. I think so. Uh, back, dude. Absolutely. All right, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the pod, dude. Thanks. All right, take care. <laughs> Thank you very much, Vito, for coming on the podcast. That was excellent. I should note that we recorded that a couple of nights ago. So my my take on the Indiana Pacers having value in the futures market, uh, that was literally, I think I actually jinxed them because that was literally right before Victor Oladipo went down with a season-ending injury. So I'm sorry, Pacers fans, that I, uh, I jinxed you there. But luckily, didn't get down at any of that. So uh, yeah, avoid those Pacers futures now. But hopefully you listened to my pro-Milwaukee Bucks takes at the beginning of the season. I gave those on the podcast. They have the... Best record in the NBA right now. All right, now let's close out the pod with an early look at the Super Bowl. Hello! Super Bowl 53. Next weekend, Tom Brady, the ageless wonder, the GOAT, faces off against the 32-year-old coach, Sean McVay, and his team of upstarts in Atlanta. So I have this game, the Doggy Juice model has this game, power-rated Patriots by just under half a point. So right now we saw, and in terms of like where the money's gone, the, the line did open around there, uh, depending on where you were shopping, obviously, but that was the general consensus opener, and nothing but Patriots money flooded the market the first few days, and that line got up to two and a half. We saw the South Point in Vegas move to three. They, they hang minus 110 lines on either side, but they made the, the decision to go to three uh, a few days ago just to test out the market, and they got they got immediate buyback on the three from professional money. So they just wanted to basically test it out and see uh, because they were already exposed on the uh, heavily on the Patriots, like most sports books are. Um, but right now the consensus line is two and a half. Um, there are some places that are offering a three with juiced out juiced out on the Ram side. Um, and that is the value play, the Rams. So if it does get to three uh, minus one ten, I will be putting a strong position down on the Rams at that price. I'm, I'm also sitting on Rams six to one uh, futures as well, so I'm pretty exposed on them already. But 
I'm not going to, I'm separating the two, obviously, as I advised on the very first Doggy Juice Pod episode. But um, I have actually snagged a little bit of Rams plus three. I found a minus 120 and Moneyline plus 125 on the Rams as well. I think that's great value. I have this line pretty much close to a pick I actually adjusted a little bit to factor in the Super Bowl experience from with Tom Brady and Belichick. Uh, but this line is inflated, and if this gets to three, that is definitely the value play. Um, I do like the first half under. I, I gobbled it up at under 28 at minus 105. It's around 27 and a half under minus 115 at most places right now, but I think it does have a good chance of ticking back up to 28. So 28 at normal juice, I think it's a worthy play. Uh, we see that trend in Super Bowl games. Teams are, you know, they're they're tight. They're obviously nervous, and they kind of play a little closer to the chest at the beginning of the games, don't really take as many chances. There's that angle. When you look at this particular matchup, I don't know the exact stat, but I saw it the other day, and I, I was aware of it last year too. The Patriots in first quarters in their Super Bowls in the Belichick-Brady era, I think they've scored three combined points in like their eight first quarter, something crazy like that. And obviously we can't expect that to, to repeat itself, but the spread on this one, or sorry, the total on this one's uh, sitting around 57 right now. And first half number, you can get 28, which I got. I think that's great value. I, my plan of attack is to have that first half under, but then look to live bet on the over, especially when things loosen up. We've seen that trend the past few years where the first half goes under, and then you see a shit ton of scoring in the second half. I mean, look at that fourth quarter last weekend against the, between the, uh, the Chiefs and the Patriots. It was like 38 points in the fourth quarter. So uh, that's the angle I'm going at. If you're looking to play the under, I think you have to make the first half under a part of your portfolio. I'm probably not going to get involved on the full game under, but depending on where the number goes, I may. But that first half under is already in pocket. In terms of the actual, I'm going to dive more into the Super Bowl, obviously, next week in that episode. But Warren Sharp, who I've I've brought some of his points on the podcast uh, throughout the football season, he's just brilliant on Twitter. You have to be following him. But some info from him, New England is very good at running out of 21 personnel, but the Rams are actually one of the best defenses at stopping 21 personnel situations. So according to Warren Sharp, you should look for Belichick to start the game out with a fullback out there and feeling it out. But if that doesn't work out at first, he's the master at adjusting early on in the game. So if that doesn't work out, look for Belichick to spread out the field more, take the fullback out and, and add an extra receiver in there. Um, if that's not working, the running game's not working at the beginning of the game in the 21 personnel. So some food for thought there. I'm going to dive more into the actual game handicap next week. But um, regarding props, there is going to be value on several plays, just like there is every year in the Super Bowl. The reason is there's all that public money oftentimes coming in to bet things that they want to see instead of things that are likely to happen or more likely to happen than not happening. Um but the catch is, if you're willing to bet on these value plays, you have to be willing to lay juice in order to win on some of these plays. Uh, for example, uh, no overtime happening prop, the no on that, laying that juice. You're going to win the long run playing that every year in the Super Bowl, but when it does go to overtime for the first time ever, like a couple years ago, you're going to lose it. But um, plays like that, and there's some other ones. I'm going to touch on those next week. But there is tons of value on the Super Bowl board because you have so much public money coming in to these games. There are tons of edges to find on these props. But my advice to you is before you get started on your props and starting to lay down money on props, first handicap the game itself. That's the fundamental thing you have to do. Like, what do you think is going to happen in terms of the game flow, the spread, the total? After you've determined that, go from there. Obviously, if you think it's going to be a higher scoring game, 
then you're going to look to play more over props. If you think it's going to be a lower scoring game compared to what the spread is, then you're probably going to look at more under props and and go from there. Or if you think it's going to be more running attack based, or if you think that it's going to be more of a passing attack based, then you go from there. So handicap the game, then bet your props. For me right now, I'm looking at um, in terms of uh, MVP Super Bowl props. Obviously, there's an overwhelming chance that uh, the quarterback of the winning team is going to win the Super Bowl MVP. I think Tom Brady's like even money at some places. So, and obviously the sports books do pretty well because it's rare. People usually don't bet on the quarterbacks. They want to get the the home run. So the books usually make out just fine if one of the quarterbacks win it all. But if you are looking for value. Um, I actually think that Gronk could be good value depending on the number, but I think Brady goes to him and it almost is like a swan song type of thing because the narrative has been obviously uh, where, where did Gronk go this whole season? He, there's, he's just not the same player anymore, and that might be true, but Gronkowski in the red zone gets a couple touchdowns from Brady. I think he could be worth a shot, could be worth a look depending on the number. Um, and another thing I'm looking at right away it's pretty obvious, but fading Brandon Cooks. He used to be on the Patriots, so they obviously know his tendencies. He's never played against New England in his career, so there's no data to go off of. But Belichick is known for taking away the top option on, on every team. and It's debatable whether or not Cooks is the top option, but obviously they have knowledge of his tendencies. So I think they're, they're going to really make it a point to shut him down and make the Rams beat, him, beat them another way. So I actually might even look at Robert Woods over props, depending on the numbers, but... I'm going to look, I'm going to go into this game looking to fade Brandon Cooks for sure. All right, but we will be back next week. Uh, I have a fun announcement to make here. We'll be back next week with a special Super Bowl props episode of the Doggy Juice podcast. I'm very excited about it. I'm going to bring on multiple guests to break down the game and offer some value on prop best bets. We'll get some takes on several different, like pregame, halftime props, you name it, stuff that has nothing to do with the game itself. There's so much out there, so it's... uh, For me, it's just a lot of fun talking about them and throwing pizza money down on some of these when you think you have value. So I'm going to bring on multiple guests. We're going to get some best bets on the prop markets. Very excited about that. Otherwise, follow Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram for best bets, including college basketball plays. I'm going to make it a point to try and post my plays earlier in the day from now on. No promises there because, you know, busy times. But but, uh, I think, uh, you know, the market moves so much. I usually... I'm working on the next day's card the night before, and I get down usually the night before or the morning of on an overwhelming majority of my plays, and the market moves, so I can't really give those out um, on Twitter and Instagram, you know, the hour before the game starts, so it's tough, so I'm going to try and post those earlier from now on. I'm going to make it a point to do that, but otherwise, that's it for this episode. I will see you all next week. Enjoy your weekends. It's all happening next weekend, baby. We got the Super Bowl right around the corner, so enjoy it. Get those prop bets in if you think you find value. And I will be back next week with a look at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53. All right, everyone. Have a good time. Have a good weekend. Good luck with your bets. Talk to you soon. Doggy Juice out.